0: It's had another edition of Involved, a special guest, um, and, and I came across my special guest in a rather convoluted manner, but the fact of the the, the, the fact of the matter is I've got him. It is John Jack. He is the CEO of uh, Galetti. Hello, John. Welcome to the show. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. An absolute pleasure. Okay, so first and foremost, what is Galetti? Let's start right there. Galetti is a corporate real
1: estate services business. So, you know, I was explaining that we have the two different sides of the business. The one side represents the landlord and the other side of the business represents the occupier or the tenant. So you can imagine which side of the business has been heating up over the last couple of months. Um, Everyone looking for rental breaks, trying to structure new deals. Um, And that's what Galetti is. We have a a team of uh, advisory, a team of consultants and we work with landlords, uh, commercial landlords and commercial tenants across the country.
0: Sounds fantastic. Now, to, to get into the position of, of CEO, tell me a little bit about about your history, John. Where, whereabouts do you come from? How did you get into property? Is it a passion that, that you've always had?
1: Yeah, funny enough, my, my whole family's in property. My, my father was in property development. And, and at some point, I think when I was at Varsity, I was at Stellenbosch. Uh, he was working with a company called Pangborn, which is now Fortress, and he was selling them a shopping center at the time, and it seemed really interesting. It was quite sort of exciting. He used to be a stockbroker sort of in the 80s, and I said to him, you know, I always said to him, I'd love to get into stockbroking, and he said, no, property broking is the stockbroking of the of this era, so that sounded quite exciting, and I kind of looked into it a bit, my mother is an estate agent for Pam Golding, so you can imagine lots of turmoil there at the moment. Um, you know, you've seen the recent press with a bit of restructuring. I think I think there's sort of a lot of pain in that residential market as as a whole at the moment. But that so that was my mother, and my mother taught me a lot about negotiation and understanding people. And you know, she's there's so many things I can sort of recall uh, uh, her saying, you know, going going backwards in my life that I've implemented and. And so she then, intru- I then went to go work for her just after Varsity. She introduced me to her manager. Her manager uh, used to be partnered um, with uh, Tina Roberts. Tina Roberts was married to William Wakefield, and William Wakefield was a director of Brawl. And that's how I got my first role in the sort of commercial services business. Um, so, that yeah, that was the beginning. And, you know, William, William Wakefield was a great mentor, and he really helped us. We had such a... We had such a brilliant team, just good energy, you know, um, lots of laughs. And uh, William taught us a lot. He's huge experience. He's still involved in the market. And um, yeah, we continue to, to engage today.
0: So, well, it's weird that you mentioned role because many, many years ago, um, we'd actually started up a family business doing contract packaging and we'd, uh, we were looking for premises in Jet Park. And uh, we actually went through broll properties and it was a great experience um, um, with them. Uh, we related to find out that uh, it was a very good experience with them because uh, subsequent landlords were not nearly as nice and as accommodating as those guys were. But I think they did some fairly innovative things in their time, the broll guys, um, uh, in terms of, 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 of um, rentals and how they structured the deals, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And I'm just wondering if if that kind of thing is carried forward because now, as we know, we're sitting with this this, uh, COVID-19 pandemic thing, whatever you'd like to call it, that came out of the blue. That that must have affected a whole lot of businesses uh, and specifically guys you deal with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Jonathan Broll set up up an excellent business. It was was ahead of its time when I was there. That was around the 2006 to 2010 um, time period. And it was, it was a fantastic business. Um, and they were really the first that I can remember Ken Gerber had come across and he was setting up this corporate services business at the time. And we were all the brokers and wondering, now, what is corporate services? What does that actually mean? Corporate services is where the tenant or the occupier is represented. And, and globally, you know, the guys are way ahead of us on this, you know, you've, especially in, in the Americas and throughout EMEA. But... It's where the, the tenant is represented and kind of gives them a voice and more transparency in the, in the negotiation. Historically, in SA, the tenant didn't really have a voice. And, you know, the landlords were very – the landlord had teams of people who were experts in what they did, renegotiating rentals, signing new deals. And, of course, we've had this unbelievable market from sort of the early 2000s running up to two thousand seven, two thousand and eight where we had a bit of a fall off. And then again another unbelievable market for landlords. And and so the guys on the landlord side have really honed their skills. But on the tenant side, they just weren't represented. And I remember Broll starting that division up first with with Ken and uh, and certainly years later when I was part of Galeti it was it was definitely a focus um, to to have that division, to have the corporate representation. And that's when we linked up with Night Frank, you know, it was a big focus of ours to say, how can we partner with a big global entity that has all of this IP? How do we learn? And so we linked up with Night Frank um, and, you know, Alistair, Alistair Elliott runs Night Frank globally. He's the managing partner. And we met some brilliant people over there, Colin Fitzgerald, Yu Klumpi, all, all of these guys are really, really experienced dealmakers and tenant representatives. And we learned so much. And we brought it back to South Africa and sort of expanded on it, elaborated, created our own models, and really built that division. So that was a that was sort of a in, certainly in Galetti was a new sort of pioneering direction for us. Um, but we we weren't the first in the game. Um, but we are we are very skilled at it now. So we've learned.
0: aha <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Now. You, you represent, and, and I think that's fascinating because you represent um, tenants and landlords. That's the two facets of the business. But now COVID's come come um, into the picture here, John. And how has that affected you guys and, and, and how you do business? Because I would imagine you're now being sort of affected on both sides of the business. Sure.
1: Sure. I think, you know, uh, uh, the, the message on the on the corporate services side has always been, let us look at your portfolio. Let us look where we can strip out costs, and and that's certainly every, it's something that everyone wants to hear at the moment. You know, Everyone wants to know how they can strip out costs across the board. Um, even landlords want to know how they can reduce costs on their portfolio, but usually they're quite good at it. On the tenant side, we go in and say, okay, well, you know, your headcount is reduced. Maybe we can reduce the size of your office. Or you have ten offices, maybe we can reduce that to one single office, thereby cutting down headcount on, let's say, security and gardening, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, some of the operations costs. And and we also look to benchmark them back to market. And that was that was another key thing that we'd started doing years back. In about 2012, we created a system, an online system, which literally maps out all of the commercial and industrial properties across the country. And we, every single time there's a new vacancy in that property, we add it. Every single time a vacancy is removed from that property, we remove it. And so obviously you get a trend over time. So we have this very, very accurate information giving us a sort of heads up view of the market. And that's helped us enormously in this market because as you can imagine, you had such a radical tip off, such a radical drop in demand, such a radical sort of uh, impact on the market where no one is able to pay rental. Of course, certain certain larger retailers are able to pay a rental when they they're still operating, but pretty much across the board, everyone has just put their brakes on on cash flow on spend. And so, you know, everyone's come to the landlords to say, "Can we pay half rental? Can you give us a break this month? How do we structure it?" And that's what corporate services is very good at doing. They've created the models, they've created the structures, they're excellent at having negotiation with a landlord. And so, that's just been a you know that. That sort of service line has been in high demand over the last two months. On the other side of the business, on the landlord representation, that's really looking for new tenants, looking to source new tenants to um, to full buildings. And interestingly, you know, where you've got massive sort of decline in demand, you've got this increase in demand for distribution centers, for e-commerce, for people who've been awarded PPE contracts. And so you're seeing this demand for this very clean warehousing. And so that's where the activity is at the moment. Also, on the other hand, you've got, let's say, a law firm who had 100 people now has 50 people. They would like to, at the end of their lease, which might be now, downsize from whatever it is, 1,500 squares to 750 squares. And so those deals are also available and, you know, they want to move quickly. And so the brokers are able to help them. So it's interesting in our in our business, as long as there's transactional activity, as long as people are making decisions, there's business. As soon as people don't make decisions, there's a problem. And now, you know, that reminds me of sort of 2008, where people were just—it was this decline, and it was a long, uh, much longer decline, and no one knew where, what to, what to do. Do we downsize? Do we stay where we are? What decision to make? And so that was a real problem for our industry. But this is a this is an interesting market. Lots of transactional activity,
0: actually. You know, this is this is the, the, the thing, because as I'm thinking about it and, and not really being involved in, in that sort of form of the business at all, um, you know, I've now, if I'm a, a, a company that's got 100 employees, um, yeah. now with the social distancing, et cetera, et cetera, I can't fit all 100 employees back into that space, um, maybe I'm going to need to downsize, I mean, what is our new normal going to be going forward? What do you think this market is going to look like, Jack? Should we talk about that when we come back? Because I notice it's uh, it's time for us to have a break now. Let's talk about, uh, you know, this new normal, some predictions that, that uh, John Jack is going to make. Going forward uh, in terms of whether you are uh, a company that's renting premises or a landlord, because I know a couple of landlords, I've spoken to some people and they are they still in shock. They don't know what to do. Uh, More of that when we come back. It is what's involved. And my special guest, uh, CEO at Galetti, it's John Jack. We'll be back in just a bit. And we're back. So uh, just before the break, John, we're going to ask you for for some uh, peering into your crystal ball, some predictions um, in in terms of this market going forward. Because um, I know from a a commercial uh, point of view or residential rather, I mean, we've been trying to sell my mom's house and it was all good to go before COVID-19 hit. And then it's just all gone down the toilet quite uh, dramatically. What's been happening like that on your side? and, And what are your predictions there?
1: Yeah, you you know, you hit the nail on the head uh, earlier. Basically, the social distancing is actually creating a strange phenomenon in the market. So, like you said, you've got potentially less staff, but the same amount of staff would take up the same amount of office, okay? So, what does that mean? It means that people can't sit as close to one another as they used to, so they have to spread out a little bit more. Now, if, if you're a business who's actually reduced your staff component you can maybe now fit into the office with the social distancing. If you're a business that hasn't reduced your staff component, the social distancing actually requires you to take up additional office space. And this is, this is fascinating. We've seen some of the banks doing it um, where they take a very specific executive team and they just move them away from everyone else. Uh, you know, we saw Discovery doing it. They've, they've placed uh, people in pods and really spread them over that building and sent a lot of people home. In fact, some of the things Discovery have done are amazing. You know, they they literally have uh, commandeered drivers for all of their staff back and forth. I mean, it, you know, it's, they, they've not dropped one call. You know, so you get these businesses that really sort of thrive in this type of market. But this is this has caused a strange demand for office space, and I think one of the huge beneficiaries of this market is going to be the the co-working space. The Business Exchange, WeWork, Regis, et cetera, et cetera, because imagine now you have to take up some additional office to fit your people in. Do you want to sign a long term lease? Probably not, because you don't know when you're going to have to go back to normal or is there going to be a normal or what what does it actually mean? Because there's not been a lot of clarity coming from government in terms of how do you occupy space exactly and how long will this last for? So. Yeah, certainly going forward, I think there's going to be a massive demand on this co- co-working space. And so we've, you know, at the moment, obviously the guys take a little bit of pain or during uh, lockdown level five, because everyone with a short-term contract, which is some of, you know, is what they offer, uh, cancelled it. They said, oh, we'll just work from home for the next two months. And But now they're starting to resign and actually take up that space again. And so chatting to Dave Sanka from the Business Exchange, they're actually looking at taking additional sites. You know, and, and this might be a, an absolute boon for landlords because landlords are sitting there going, well, now we have big vacancy and you're going to get the, the co-working guys coming to take that vacancy up. Um, I was chatting to another mate of mine who owns a, a furniture business and he said the, the deal that he's been able to negotiate is 100% turnover clause. And I mean, that, that's just an, a gem for any retailer because they don't have to pay rental, it's all based on what they sell. So if they're selling, then they pay rent. If they're not selling, they don't pay rent. So it's almost a quid pro quo, which seems quite fair um, under the circumstances. And maybe we'll see more of that in retail. Um, so landlords with retail properties are going to become retailers themselves. There'll be a partnership. So that's going to be quite interesting. But industrial, industrial doesn't seem to be very impacted, if I'm honest. It, it's it really seems to continue, it's, it's just, it's continuing to, to operate and it has been the darling over the last couple of years. You see funds like Equites who have lots of distribution centers, long-term leases, they've performed really well on the JSC. Um, but you see other um, funds with exposure to a lot of offices, a lot of retail that have had massive, massive setbacks in the, on the market in the last, well, in the last year, definitely, but since the beginning of this year. You've seen some of the funds fall off 75% type of thing, uh, where for the last 20 years, they've been just delivering the results, delivering year after year, increased dividends, increased capital value. So we're seeing a huge rebase, um in the market. So, yeah, sh- co-working, that's what it's going to be about. And maybe landlords also create some of their own um, strategies with regards to that. You know, we saw growth point in Workshop 17. Workshop 17 is a co-working space. We saw them uh, enter into a JV agreement and maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe there's going to be more landlords competing with the co-working spaces, offering more flexible terms, offering to fit out the space because that costs a massive amount of money. You want to fit out an office, it's going to cost you, you know, 5,000 Rand a square meter where your rental is only 100 rand a square meter or 150 rand a square meter you've got to drop 5,000 rand a square meter as you move in so you can see the impact that's going to have and no one's going to be overly enamored to be doing that in the next sort of 12 to 24 months I'd imagine It,
0: it, it is a fascinating thing and I, I must admit John is, you know, as, you, as you've been speaking I've been I, I've sort of gone okay yeah it, You know, I thought it was just doom and gloom I thought you know that's it bottoms dropping out of everything we're all going to go and sit in a corner and eat worms but as I'm speaking to you, I, th- I think you know this kind of thinking of, of yours is, is is certainly a very positive outlook. You know, you are this positive, and I thought everything was 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 going to be a, a doom and gloom. But if I am a, a a businessman of some description, I'm listening to the show now. Um, can I come to you and say, listen? Um, you know we've got um, where we currently are, there's we, we've got hundred or two hundred or a thousand people. Um, I need to do some renegotiating. Re- Will you guys do it for me? Is that something that you offer? Yes, yeah, so, th- so
1: that's typically what we offer. We actually represent the tenant or the occupier. You know it's 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 a brilliant you know idea in general. I mean, just going backwards. you know when we when I sort of first saw it and talking back to the role days, I wasn't 100% sure how to sort of juggle it in my mind. Now, how does this work now? You know? But later, when we engage with the Knight frank guys, you really saw it all sort of fitting together. It's giving yourself an expert in commercial real estate and negotiation and structuring to go and bat for you. That's, that's all you're doing. And it gives you arm's length from the landlord so you don't end up fighting with him. You can, someone else can be the bad guy or the good guy as it, as it happens and it gives you transparency of the market and and really in the end of the day it's the landlord's best retention tool so what would happen historically is you know a tenant would either get you know decidedly over their landlord or they would get an offer from their landlord a renewal offer and they might go to a broker and say you know what else can i see and the broker might offer them something else and they say well this landlord's offering me 200 rand a square meter and this broker is offering me another Building at 100 Rand a square meter, I'm gonna move. And they just move. That's it. That's the last the landlord ever hears of them. Sometimes they start that process without speaking to their landlord. They they look at what they're paying and they chat to a broker and the broker just moves them, and that's the first the landlord hears of it. So a big focus for the landlords is tenant retention and maintaining relationships, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. What we're allowed to do is we, we go in, we look at their situation, their current lease agreement we look at market, we look at their options, and we run it all into sort of a, a, a model that we've built, and it brings it all back to a net present value. So the net present value of staying versus the net present value of leaving. And we try and get these to uh, an equitable value where we can go to the landlord and say, "We, you need to match this level in order for your tenant to stay. If you believe that you can replace this tenant at a better value, And on top of that, you'll have to pay commission to a broker. You might have a vacancy. You might have to provide a tenant incentive. So a lot of those numbers, that adds up to sort of 12 months rental. Um, You're willing to take that risk and lose this tenant rather than negotiate to this level. And so the landlord will often say, actually, you know what? That is actually market. And we'd love to retain this tenant. And so that's how it happens. You you know, you re-sign the deal and everyone's happy. The tenant's got a fair deal. The landlord's got a fair deal. And we walk away and we represent the, the tenants on that basis. So it's, a, it's, it's just an elegant solution. It works really, really well. Um, and we love doing it. It's like a, it's like a Tetris puzzle. You, you know, you can imagine there's just so many moving pieces and you've got to try and fit them together. And in the end of the day, you get a win. And that's, that's what it's
0: about. It is what's involved. My special guest is uh, John Jack from Gilletti. We'll be back in just a bit. And we're back. My special guest, John Jack from Gilletti. It sounds fascinating what you do, because I've, I've always, you know, I, I sort of, I suppose it, it's something that we, we pick up, but I mean, you know, in, in, in my business experience, landlords have always been the adversary. They're those horrible people with lots of money, and uh, all they want to do is gouge you for as much as they can, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you're helping me to see that this is not necessarily the case, and during specifically now, during this this COVID-19 thing, um, I think there's been a lot of wake-up calls uh, across the board. Now, in terms of commercial property and stuff like that, though, um, John, a lot of people have, let's face it, have lost their jobs. This must impact on what you guys do.
1: Yeah, I know it does. Um, you know, there, there are actually two sides to it. Again, there's the positive side and there's the, the negative side. So the positive side to it is interesting because in, in our business, we're always looking for, for great people, you know, great people with experience, commercially minded. And our industry is typically, specifically on the broking side, has been far riskier or perceived as far riskier. You know, you're you're almost an entrepreneur with a, with a support base. You know, you've got a support system around you. You've got information. You're working for a business. So that's what they do. Um, but it is risky because at the end of the day, on the broking side, you earn on a commission basis. So you only, if you place a tenant, then you'll get paid. If you sell a building, then you get paid. So it's like an agency model. And, and so that's quite risky. But what we're seeing at the moment is, well, it's also quite risky to work for a big corporate because, you know, you could end up in a Section 189 process and lose your job um, through no fault of your own, just the fault of the market. That's what it is. So this allows people to get into a very different market, um, great people. And, we, we, you know, at the moment, we're talking to some, some really great people to come and join us. And. And historically, you know, there's a far smaller market of people who have that risk appetite to come and do what we do, I suppose, on the broking side. And and so that's a positive for us, I suppose. And on the other side, the negative is you're seeing businesses that you're working with that are just unable to survive. It's it's just it's horrible to see. You know, we were chatting to a, a, a travel business um, employing 100 people. And, you know, the guy says to me, you know, next month, our revenue is zero. And the month after that, the revenue is zero. And we don't know how long it's going to be zero for. And and the reality is, is that no one can afford that. No one. You know, you might have as a business a couple of months in reserve unless you're a really, really, really strong balance sheet business. You might have a couple of months in reserve. But if you've got to carry on paying 100 people and you've got no income and no idea when it's going to turn around, it's devastating. You know, the, you know, those people are in the market, and, and of course now people looking for positions in the market. Where, where are you going to go? Everyone's harving. So it's just a, it's just a horrible thing to see, you know. But for us, it creates transactional opportunity. Um, people downsizing, people consolidating, um, people selling their, selling their property to generate some cash flow into their business. That's another opportunity for us, where the guys say, "Hang on, we're actually sitting on an asset." We could sell this and lease it back. You know, another landlord would be happy to have them as a tenant. You could sell and lease back, or alternatively, you could just sell and downsize. There, there are always people with money. There are always balance sheets, and and, and so that that on the other side is you can get out of it. Obviously, there's a discount in the market at the moment. You know, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna sell your building for what you could sell it for two years ago, but it hasn't fallen through the floor completely. It's not like there's no value in these buildings and no one's buying people are buying there's money and there's transactional activity
0: yeah i suppose yeah i suppose there, there always is And it's, it's those those people that uh, are able to hang on i just you know i've got uh, i've got a lot of friends and, and people i know that are in the event industry conferencing yeah. um, they supply decor sound lighting etc cetera, etc cetera. and those poor people have i don't know what they're going to do and and you know we talk of we talk of pivoting and, and doing things like that um, And in 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 my other life, we do a lot of sales training. Uh, when I'm not on not doing the radio thing, we do sales training, um, and we had a whole bunch of stuff that was that was set up that just got cancelled. And um, we we obviously now are trying, I think, along with everybody else and their dog, trying to get stuff online. How does this online and social distancing thing affect you guys? Because I mean, surely you know when you're wanting to rent, you know, if you're looking to 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 rent or buy a, a, a residential property. You kind of want to see it if you can, but I could understand how you could maybe do a video tour of that. But in your instance, what do you, you guys, have you got any plans uh, in that regard? You know, it's so difficult because we sit
1: on, I mean, if I go into our, our, our system, there are thousands upon thousands of vacancies. And these turn, every month there's a new vacancy. So we get what's called a vacancy schedule. It comes from the landlord. And, and, and this is another thing that could be optimized in the world, but in South Africa for sure. You get a, a word document from one landlord, you get an email from another landlord, you get a spreadsheet from another landlord, and basically what these things are is containing details regarding the vacancies in their portfolio of properties, you know. The bigger landlords, the growth points and the redefines, obviously they do it better than someone who owns two, three buildings, a private guy, and he, you know, he just happens to own these things, you know. So they send these vacancy schedules out. What our system does is collates all of them. So from the broker's perspective, they can just go and search the system and pull information out and sort of brochures ready to go. Right. But what happens is because of all this churn and because there's so many properties for us to go and spend a lot of time filming these properties really takes a lot of time. You know, you've got to do one by one by one by one. And it's always changing. The nice thing about having a database is it it stays there. It'll always be there, so you can use it the next time. But it is a massive process, and we started doing it, you know, walking around the offices with this thing called a gimbal. A gimbal is basically like it stops the it stops your the tremor in your hand, you know, when you're videoing the <laughs> videoing the office. But you're right. In the end of the day, it's a it's quite a it's quite a clinical decision when it comes to commercial real estate because you're going employ the likes of a, a trend or whoever it is to come and actually design your space they literally will take your space and design where the desk's going to go where will your meeting room be can you fit the number of people that you're looking to fit into the office but one thing i've found is and you know moving away from the videoing of space is having these types of meetings having a skype meeting having a zoom meeting a google hangout it saves an incredible amount of time you know where we would go, you know, we would drive all the way out to the East Rand or we drive all the way out to Pretoria to have a meeting. It takes time. I mean, it really does consume time. It'll consume a couple of hours in a day. Now everyone's very comfortable with having a Zoom, a Skype, a hangout, and it, that saves a lot of time, which means that you can be a little bit more flexible in terms of where you are. I've seen even now this week with us going back to the office, I've seen that people are using the office as more of a project station. You know, people go there, you know, internally, the guys will go to meet each other because they're working on something together or they want to touch base or share some ideas. That's what the office has become. The rest of it you can do at home. Now, obviously, you need to have the luxury of having somewhere to work at home. Um, and, you know, you're not, not with kids and cats and dogs running around. But if you, if you do, it, it it really makes things uh, a lot easier. You, you can be flexible and, and use the office as and when you choose. So that that's, that's a lot of what we're seeing at the moment.
0: We are having a chat to uh, CEO of galetti It is uh, John Jack. What's involved? Uh, when we come back, we'll be wrapping up uh, and asking uh, John once again to to look into his uh, his uh, crystal ball and tell me what the future is. Uh, he well, what he believes the future may be for tenants and landlords. It is what's involved. And we're back. My special guest, uh, John Jack, uh, CEO of Galletti. Um Wrapping it up, John. Um, so yeah, where to next for for Galletti? How do you see the future panning out for you guys?
1: Yeah, I think you know moving you know continuing the online discussion um, in the states, online bidding is massive. You know, so that that's what we historically we have what they call ball ballroom auctions where it's open cry and you know you've got a lot of people standing in a room shouting and that that creates a lot of energy and it's and it's. It's, a, it's a, an exciting environment to be in. Um, and you've got different businesses in South Africa that do that. You've got Orcor, you've got High Street, you've got Brawl. They all have the, the ballroom auctions. But what we're seeing now is the incorporation of online bidding. So High Street has an app. Um, you've, you've got different guys coming into the market. And like I was saying, in the States, that is the norm. You might still have a ballroom auction, but you'll definitely have online bidding alongside so what that is is a, is is an app, either developed in-house or alternatively developed by a, a software provider. And literally, you have an app, and the property comes on the app. It's got all the information which has been sent to you. And in commercial property, the beauty is a lot of the time, is you're buying, um, you're buying it as an investment or to occupy yourselves in. And but when you buy an investment, you don't have to. It's it's You know, there's not as much sentiment involved. There's an idea involved. Maybe you can do something and and add value to it. But there's not as much sentiment. How many square meters? What's the rate per square meter? How much are you paying for rates? What's the yield on this property? It's clinical. And so to get an idea of the property, get all that information, you literally bid online. And you put your bid in. And if your bid's been, you know, uh, exceeded, you can bid again. And so you can do it literally from the comfort of your own home. and, And what's exciting about the app is that it also builds some pressure. You know, you see the new bid come in and you know you're behind and you want to go a little bit. You know, so it's, it has this element of, you know, they call it gamifying. So there's this yeah. huge trend to gamify as much as possible anything that you're doing because it, it, it creates excitement, I suppose. And we, we even do it internally, you know, when you know sometimes we might game, gamify a process of contacting clients or, or whatever it is. We try and create that excitement in it because at the end of the day, you want to have fun at work. You want to have fun at what you're doing. And even on the investment side, that is a business themselves. You know, uh, these guys are building a portfolio. They're managing it. They want to get uh, better assets at a good price. And so it's exciting to to have these opportunities. And that's where I see the market going. And, and we we certainly are looking at that at the moment very carefully. So that's that's probably the next step for Galetti.
0: Wonderful stuff. John, I, I always I, I like to ask all of my guests uh, just, you know, when we, as, as we're about to say, what is one thing about uh, John-Jack that nobody knows? Well, tell me something about yourself that nobody else knows.
1: Wow, uh, that
0: is a huge question, something that no one else knows. Um, yeah, you know, the guys who work with you, people who are listening on the, on, the, on the radio, listening to the podcast, they go, really? I never knew that. Probably, maybe something that no one else knows is I got all the
1: way through Stellenbosch and the only thing I didn't write was my final economics exam, much to the chagrin of my mother. She's really annoyed about that. But that's that's the one thing. I went all the way through Stellenbosch. I didn't write my final economic exam and didn't get my degree. So that's probably the one thing that no one knows. Besides, I'm wow. actually
0: <laughs> John, thank you so much for taking the time out, having a chat to us. Um, if somebody wants to get hold of you guys and go listen i need some help here i need help renegotiating whatever the case may be what is the best way to get hold of you guys our website's probably the best way to get hold of us so that's uh yeah galetti.co.za galetti spelt with uh, two l's eh? single l double t single l double t so there we go www.galetti.co.za single l double t john jack thank you so much for chatting to us we wish you all the best Thanks, David.